0: one of the best strategies for canceling out insecurity was actually optimism. And I'm very That's much nice. not an optimistic person, so it's was like, huh?
1: If you're happy with the same old ways of dating...
0: If you enjoy sucking at communication...
2: And you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you.
0: But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships...
2: Broaden your
1: sexual
0: horizons... Develop a better understanding of yourself...
2: Or learn more about non-monogamy... Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Amelie. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi Multiamory Podcast. Fun. On this episode of the Multi Amory Podcast, we're going to spring training for football to become defensive guards and tackle some insecurities. Thank you for yeah. bearing with me. I'm it's, sure you were confused winter. for a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, winter. Well, I, we're going to spring training kind of in advance. It like pre.
0: Wait, but I thought spring training was like a baseball thing. See, all figured- season like a winter.
1: You totally ruined the metaphor, but that's okay. You, like, didn't cross-referenced metaphor
0: thing. I don't know if you ruined the metaphor if if he just highlighted the fact that we know absolutely nothing about sports on
1: this show. (laughs) Just figure skating. That's it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Um, But no, but seriously, this episode, we're talking about tackling insecurities. This is a topic that we have had on our list to get to for a long time now. Uh, So it's very exciting that we're getting to this. And we're going to be covering kind of um, the ways that insecurities can affect our relationships and our happiness, as well as some different types of insecurities, different sort of categories of them and how those can affect our lives. And then at the end, we're going to talk about some sort of take-home action points of things that you can do to help combat these and tackle them yourselves and get drafted in the first pick. That's a football thing.
0: <laughs>
2: Wait. Okay. Yeah.
1: Drafted okay. In, in which the first first pick? pick?
0: of the of the like the team the like super team of confidence. Is that what yeah.
2: it is? Yeah. the first pick in the team of life being good.
0: Okay, cool.
1: I like that team.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's Great. a good team to be a part of. Great.
1: Yeah. Well, I am amazed that we haven't done this yet because I think that this is something that so many people uh experience. I absolutely do. I think from time to time even the two of you do. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I hate, more than Dedeker.
0: I hate insecurities. <laughs> I hate them. I have them. I hate them. But then at the same time, the people that I know who seem to have no insecurities and are confident all the time are also kind of assholes. So I just don't know where to be or how to be.
1: Well, it's that fine line of like, how can one be or have humility, but then also be secure with themselves? And maybe like the ultimate security is also being humble. I don't know. Mm. Having both at the same time.
2: Yeah, that is something that came up when I was researching this, is kind of that distinction, Mm -hmm. actually, between humility and insecurity. And that, you know, while we tend to view humility as a good quality, right, of like being aware of the fact that we're not perfect and that we can improve and there's still stuff to learn, versus insecurity, which is kind of this, it like gets to this, like, I'm never good, or I'm yeah. very rarely good enough. There's kind of this difference between like could be better versus good enough. Like whether or not you live up to a certain bar that's been set in your mind, right? Uh, so yeah. I do think that's that's an interesting distinction to make. And I think what Dedeker is pointing out is maybe just people without humility rather than people without insecurities.
0: Mm -hmm. right but it's but it's like how do you but how do you be in the middle path there i think that's what i'm always always struggling with is like how do i yeah how do i maintain a sense of humility but also don't just like crumple into like totally uh you know devastating insecurity all the time Mm -hmm. but also how do i not tip the needle into i'm just gonna like bluff my way through life as though there's nothing yeah. wrong with me and I'm great and I'm perfect and and never have I heard the word insecurity, you know?
1: <laughs> well, it's like knowing that you know nothing but being okay with that.
0: Yeah, I guess I could get on board with that. Yeah, yeah I have well f- uh,
2: Yes? Well, I was just going to say, like, a metaphor that comes to mind. I don't know if this is a good metaphor, but I remember when I was first... Um, or one of the times when I was talking with a personal trainer about working out and stuff like that, mm. and one thing they mentioned was... They're like, a lot of people come in and are concerned about like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to do that or this or the other thing because I don't want to get like, you know, all beefy and, you know, bodybuildery looking because that's not the look I'm going for. Um, and their their response was just like, that's not a thing that can just happen. Like that's something just like, that bam. <laughs> the, yeah. the people who look like that kill themselves to get to look like that. Like that's not Mm -hmm. something that's just going to happen. And I know this isn't a perfect metaphor, but I do feel like there's a sense of like, if you even have the concern about being that arrogant person, I kind of feel like you're not, it's not so much like, oh no, I became too confident and now I'm, I'm this arrogant (laughs) asshole who, you know, thinks they're perfect and never listens to anyone else. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like having that concern at all, Is a good indication that that's not the place you're going to go.
0: Okay, so you're saying that I don't need to worry about uh, by boosting my self confidence and tackling my insecurities that I'm going to become like a football player that's too ripped. I'm going to become a football player that's like just ripped enough. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs)
2: We're back Um, to football. (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do think it's interesting how like insecurity shows up in super random ways. Like, uh, Dedeker, you visited me with your partner Alex recently, Mm -hmm. and I I found myself like getting really self deprecating at times and like saying sorry a lot around Alex. And I think it was because I was like, this guy is really cool. Like, he's funny. He has an awesome accent. He's really tall. He seems very like accomplished at his job. And so like I'm just gonna like apologize a lot and like self-deprecate and I was like wow that's that's not that's not something I should be doing right now but I saw I saw it happening a lot I was like trying to internally look at myself throughout that situation so yeah that's
0: so interesting I didn't (laughs) notice that at all I definitely did I'll have to talk to Alex and see if he noticed it that's you're probably just used
1: to it with me by now but (laughs) a little
0: bit a little bit um yeah Anyway, so I I guess the first thing that that I wanted to talk about here is the fact that, like, when we're riddled with insecurities, uh, or not even riddled, even when you just have a couple insecurities, it can keep you in a really bad feedback loop. Essentially, Mm -hmm. the idea being that it's like, okay, like maybe you're in a situation that you want to improve. Maybe you want to apply for a better job. Maybe if you want to start a new project, maybe if you want to pursue someone that you're interested in, you know, whatever it is. That like, okay, that in itself is like the issue you're trying to tackle. Um, But then if you have insecurities, those tend to take away your resources for problem solving and for coping. And so Mm. it saps away all your resources where you're dealing with your insecurities, either stressing about them or trying to handle them or trying to get them to stop being so present in your mind or in your life or whatever. And that's taking away the resources and energy that you would normally be using towards accomplishing the thing you want to accomplish. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like, gosh, this I run into this all the time, particularly recently because of the fact that I'm really interested in writing another book. But mm-hmm. instead of spending my time actually taking steps towards doing that and like writing a proposal and stuff like that, I'm caught in this feedback loop of like, oh my God, I'm such an imposter. <laughs> um, mm. And trying to figure out how to handle that instead of actually putting my energy toward the thing itself. And so that's definitely something that can gut us, not just in like our professional lives, but also in our romantic relationships as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And going into the romantic relationship part, I think that even if somebody is with us and has been with us for a long period of time, we can get in this loop of saying like, I'm not worthy of them, or they don't actually want to be with me. And it can get us into treating our partner like they don't want to be with us, and Mm. we're not deserving of them um and then you know that can just eventually lead to like these self-fulfilling prophecies coming true and your partner maybe eventually getting fed up with that and deciding to leave which is very sad and really like nobody is immune to this i do look at people especially in los angeles who seem very successful who are very successful at their jobs and and some of those people are unfortunately like the most insecure people that i know
3: for oh whatever gosh. reason
1: even yeah. even though like one would think that they have everything in the world to be secure about,
0: right? No, I've definitely experienced that where where sometimes it's almost like I see this inverse effect between like mm-hmm. how successful or how attractive or how rich a person is, and it is like this inverse ratio to how insecure about all that they are. Um, yeah, and that's not like I don't know. I don't want to make a blanket statement. That's just anecdotal of like what I've noticed um, among the people that I've met in my life, but. I think it does just go to show that, you know, external factors can be a part of your sense of security, but most of the time, um, a, you know, a big chunk of it is how you deal with yourself internally yeah, and what's going on internal. internally, what's going on in your past, what's your baggage from childhood, you know, like all these things that can still feel these very deep-seated insecurities. It's not just related to you know, accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish or getting the body that you've always wanted or getting the income you've always wanted.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, it reminds me of this thing that, that gets mentioned a lot in, um, y- you know, certain sort of like mindfulness and, um, positive psychology sort of stuff, which is this idea of like putting your happiness in the future mm-hmm. that it's like, um, it's also, I guess we've talked about on the show before of that idea of like, um, what is it, fear and hope or the twin dragons guarding the gates to heaven or oh, whatever, yeah. that, that whole that a, thing.
1: Yeah, Shambhala again.
2: Yeah, I, I don't some, actually yeah. think it's from the Shambhala Sacred Path of the Warrior book, but oh, maybe from a different a Steve book. and just a Or something, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But the idea being that fearing everything that's going to happen is going to keep you from being in the now, like in the moment. Mm-hmm. And instead you're just worrying about all the bad things that will happen. And in this case, hope means this idea that like, well, eventually once I get to that, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be like, happy yeah. I hope I'll get this thing, then I'll be happy. And again, you're not actually being happy right now. Um, and I think I've also brought this up before too, but just like in <laughs> interviews um, at sort of the height of her career, um, Oprah has said that was the time she was the most depressed and the most miserable mm-hmm. in her life um, because it's this thing of like, you're always putting your happiness in these goals you're getting to. And even if you get to the top of that, it's like, well, where do I go from here? Uh, yeah. It's and always, was, what are you
1: doing next? Like right. it, that's what people say instead mm-hmm. of just living in the moment and being appreciative of the things that you have right then.
2: Yeah. And I'm, I'm particularly yeah. bad about that one, about being very goal sure. oriented and kind of thinking toward the future instead of like actually appreciating what I have right now. Yeah. But that's, that's one that always hits totally home for me. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on into talking about some different categories and different manifestations of insecurity. So the first of these three categories um, we're calling recent events so, this is things like insecurities based on failure and rejection that have actually happened in your life, right? About mm. the time that, you know, you were last in the draft pick on your football team. Or <laughs> see how I brought that back again? No, um, well, well done. done. Yeah. This, this
1: episode is just about football, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> That maybe is going on right now. I have no idea. It I, this may or may not the, be football I, season. Oh no,
1: it is. It is. Because like the Super Bowl is in the February, right? Early yeah, in February.
2: So okay, cool. yeah, it's going on. Perfect time. Good job. job. So we're right in the middle of football time. <laughs> uh, right, but not so, <laughs> so it's important to distinguish that these are about things that have actually happened in the past that you now have insecurities about today.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and a thing to bear in mind is that actually uh, studies on happiness have shown that up to 40% of our quote-unquote happiness quotient is based on our recent life events, um, not just past life events. Um, But I do think it's interesting that that is a minority, that our happiness, you know, that our external circumstances influence our happiness to like a 40% degree, that it isn't a majority, which I think that we can sometimes be fooled into thinking is the case that like if we just kind of surround ourselves with things that make us happy externally then we will be happy or will feel secure um so but does that anyway. mean 60
1: percent is internal or or what it, or it's not event related necessarily it might just be other things and probably yeah, a lot of that I, I is would internal
0: guess, yeah 60 yeah. percent is probably like mental emotional inner life mm-hmm. you know kind of internal workings based yeah something mm-hmm. like that um Anyway, yeah, but things like, you know, if you did recently have a failure, um, if you did recently get rejected for a date or for, uh, you know, a job interview or you were passed over for a promotion or something like that, like those things can definitely have an effect on your self-worth, on your self-esteem and your sense of security as yourself.
1: Yeah, and there is this thing like if we as people have low self-esteem already, then when these difficult negative events happen, um we're more likely to see ourselves and other people more negatively as well. So it kind of if you do have some self-esteem built up like then it allows you to be a little bit more resilient in those moments when something bad happens to know okay. This is in a moment in time I can move on. It's not necessarily about me, or even if it is, it's something that I can pick myself back up from. Um, but instead, if you do have that low self-esteem, it's more challenging to be able to do that.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is yeah. also the one where we can kind of get in that idea of, um, oh, well, this thing happened to me in the past, so that must mm-hmm. be a problem with me, and it's always going to happen again. And so... Yeah you're kind of you're so focused on that that you almost like find situations where that's going to happen again because that's at least comfortable and doesn't challenge your belief of who you are and what you deserve and things like that Um, yeah i mean we
1: can attach belief to anything really like that's a really good point yeah we can find like the thing that we believe to be true and that story and just say well this has to be the case i am shitty for this reason or whatever so yeah. yeah
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or that these things all must be my fault. So therefore, this is what people think of me. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Um, So the next one is going to be relational. Uh, So that includes social anxiety and also our old friend attachment insecurity. So we've talked about attachment styles and attachment theory on this show, um, specifically in episode 82. But uh, all of that kind of relates to this relational Uh, manifestation of insecurity.
2: Yeah. So, um, I mean, one example of this is uh, job interviews. So not even talking Mm -hmm. about romantic relationships here, Um, but it's this uh, being super critical of yourself kind of um, in, in relation to how other people think about you, but not based on the past, but how you expect them to behave to you. Right. So like going into an interview or a first date, or going to a party or, you know, a meetup or something with this, a lot of this, like, loud voice in your head that's giving you the criticism mm. of why people aren't going to like you or why, um, you know, you're not going to get the job or why this person isn't going to want to see you or why you're unattractive today or, right? The list goes on and on and on about about yeah. what those things could be. Um and this, I think, could also be related to past experiences, right? Like, if you've had past experiences about, you know, not fitting in as a kid or something like that, that you can bring those with you. And I think the, the differentiation between these is one's kind of about, like, I'm worried about these past events repeating, or I, I value myself this way because of these things that happened in the past versus this is more when you're now projecting into the future, right? Or projecting well, into yeah. other people's minds. Um, and
1: that also goes along with the attachment theory stuff as well. Because like it, that is sort of based on your uh, relationship with your parents as a child. And so if your parents tended to be... Um, really attachment-heavy and, like, they they were helicopter parents and always were around you, but then if you did something wrong, they tended to, like, retreat, then you may feel more of an anxious attachment style, or uh, you may be, like, the type of person to... Um, Also, what is the attachment
0: style that, Deniker? you've said you are at (laughs) times? I am definitely 100% avoidant. Yeah, Yeah,
1: avoidant, exactly. And that Uh can also be like a cause of um, parents just sort of avoiding their children or, uh, you know, giving them a lot of free time and you deciding like as an adult, you're going to be a little bit more avoidant in your relationships as well
0: yeah so that's the thing is that like insecurities can come up uh you know related to what your attachment style is it's actually quite common in romantic relationships you know so it can be things like you know if you tend to be a person who's more avoidantly attached that if a partner asks for something from you or needs to rely on you in some way if like maybe it brings up this insecurity of like oh like Um, I'm not a reliable person or no one can actually love me or the way I am or whatever. And so I'm going to pull away. I'm going to be avoidant, or I'm going to be distant. Um, And this can also be triggered in the opposite that it can manifest as when you feel insecure about, you know, a partner not being there or you not being able to live up to a partner's expectations. It can trigger behavior. That's like really clingy or anxious, you know, if you're anxiously attached. Um, And it's important to talk about because the fact that, you know, Our insecurities coming up, it's always going to be a mix of like internal and external factors. And what I think with the attachment styles thing is that it's very much a mix of both, that it can be very much like your internal baggage of like stuff that you've carried with you into adulthood from your childhood relationships, but also can be influenced by what your partner's attachment style is. You know, it's really classic to see someone who's anxiously attached, someone who tends to get more clingy or more needy. Uh, with someone who's avoidantly attached and they just set each other's insecurities off back and forth and back and forth, (laughs) you know? Yeah. The Mm -hmm. avoidant person pulls away. And so that means the anxious person feels like, Oh gosh, they're pulling away. What's going to happen. I don't feel very secure in this relationship. So they cling on. And then, you know, the avoidant person is like, Oh God, they're clinging on to me is way too much. I need to pull away more. And so it just becomes this, this back and forth fueled by these kind of matched up insecurities that tend to set each other off.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think yeah. this one also just comes up in um, more like social anxiety situations as well. Um, of mm. just <clears throat> being in, in like groups, uh, going to, you know, being new somewhere. I know that's one that comes up for me a lot. Like going to a place where I don't know people. Like that is definitely a place get where... you anxious or... Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah. Of just this like, oh gosh, I'm going to say something wrong and everyone's going to hate me. Or mm. this used to come up for me a ton when I was doing more performing as a musician, um, specifically when I was playing in bands. That you'd be
0: like, I'm going to sing something and everyone's going to hate me.
2: No, it would so kind of be after. Never it would, happened. It would kind of be after the fact. Um, and I actually talked to a therapist uh. about this back when I was living in Seattle and was performing and singing in bands and stuff like that. As I was just like, I feel like when I perform, that like everyone there is like, Ugh, who is this guy up there like singing? Thinking people want to listen to him. Like this sucks. And you know, her kind of question to me was, this like, oh, did did someone there say that to you? Mm-hmm. I was like, well. No, but like, I felt like I could kind of, you know, that, that was what they were probably feeling. Um, and she kind of brought up for me, this idea, like we were talking about where you're sort of projecting either into the future or into other people's minds, what yeah. you think they're thinking rather than basing that on evidence. So I guess that's another way it sort of differs from the stuff that's based on recent events, mm-hmm. even though obviously all related.
0: I feel like now Jace it's, I still see the same thing come up with you. It's just instead of singing it's like, oh, I did this podcast live show yep. and everyone now, hates me. Yeah, everyone in the audience hated me. I'm and I are sure. the ones
1: who have to pick you up after that.
2: <laughs> yep. It's true. It's still there. well
0: okay i actually think this is a good transition because i do think a big part of that is our third category of you know kind of kinds of the ways you know the ways that insecurities can come up um and that's in the realm of personal judgment Mm. so things like um feeling a strong sense of perfectionism or a strong sense of comparison and i will 100% say that i'm um this is me to a t
1: oh oh yeah no (laughs) ditto and it's interesting because like I think I grew up with a lot of comparison in my life like my people compared me to my mother and then my mother compared me to my friends or she even does it sometimes like looking out uh, at, at women and she's like oh that that girl is looking at you like she probably like wishes that she was pretty as you or something. And I'm like, maybe she's just like looking at me. Like I look at women <laughs> and I'm like, damn, like that's an amazing outfit. Like I wish I had that outfit or, or just like, I think that she looks really great today. And I'm like, maybe I don't know if she's necessarily comparing herself to me or like wanting to be something that I am. Maybe she's just looking and, and interested. And I think like that shift in, the idea of comparison instead of being like, I want something that they have rather just saying like that person looks lovely today or uh, Mm. how Mm. nice for them, as opposed to like really comparing myself and like my, you know, shortcomings to all of the things that they have. It's interesting. Just that small distinction. But yeah, I mean, we have so much pressure, especially in America to like have the best job, like the highest salary to look a certain way or have like an ideal partner or an ideal family. Um, Constantly right now, everyone is getting married on my Facebook feed. (laughs) Everyone's getting married and having a baby like right this second. So um, yeah, I mean that is, I I think especially when you like hit 30 and uh, just life starts throwing you like what the perfect idea is of all of those things it's easy to be like, well, I'm not doing that. I'm clearly not perfect mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons.
0: Well, yeah, I think that is so interesting that it's, it's like we don't get told this objective version of what perfect is. None of us know mm-hmm. objectively actually what perfection is, but we do get told this very subjective version of what perfection is. And yeah. it is, you know having your traditional monogamous marriage and your 2.5 kids who are adorable and well-behaved and you're working a job that like you love so much that it doesn't feel like work, but it also happens to be able to like pay off all your student debt and help you support a family. And then also on top of it, don't don't have any pores, (laughs) do not have any visible pores, no visible pores, please. No acne, Um, no flyaways. Um, Please be thin and have the best sex ever. Um, and uh you know like it's interesting that it's just this very like prescribed version of what perfection is yeah and we still kind of hold ourselves to that very perfectionist standard
1: not everyone but yeah (laughs) it's funny like on facebook i saw this like birth announcement or this announcement that someone was pregnant and it was like this couple like with a white picket fence like with snow all around them and i was like wow okay this is like (laughs) the definition of what like perfection what people think that perfection is uh so Mm -hmm. often and that's great for them it is really lovely but but if that is not your reality being able to to find uh within you that that's okay and that you're not doing something wrong i think it's easier said than done sometimes yeah definitely
2: And I think this can also come up even not just conforming to the kind of conventional standards of perfection or of success, um, but also in your own community or just in the people that Mm. you idolize or look at. And this is something that I've heard many people, like, for example, in the bisexual community. I cannot even Mm. tell you how many people I've heard stories from about, like, not feeling like they're queer enough because they're bi or, yeah. right, or that they're bi, but they're still cisgender. And so, like, they really don't, like, they aren't queer enough, right? Whatever it is that there's this, <clears throat> again, this, like, arbitrary standard of perfection or something. And, and ironically, I think all of us can find ways to be imperfect, no matter what. And part of yeah. that is, well, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Emily.
1: Well, no, no, I mean, I've definitely questioned myself. I'm like, can I call myself queer? And because like, but you know, I, I think I can. I think it's okay. <laughs> I definitely am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. It is that question of like, am I enough? Am I this enough for sure? Mm-hmm.
2: And and part of that is this tendency we have to compare our weakest points to mm-hmm. other people's strongest points, right? Is this yeah. idea that because, and I think that that this is not something that the internet or social media created, but I think it makes it much easier to look mm. at just to the bright for and sure. shiny things that other people show you about their lives. And that we can have this kind of tunnel vision where we just look at the ways in which these people are successful in the ways that I'm not, or the way mm. that they, you know, are whatever in the ways that I'm not rather than looking more for like, Oh, this person's, similar to me in this way or like, Oh, I'm doing really well in this way. It's so much easier to focus on where we're not. Right. And mm-hmm. that's kind of that, that perfectionism and comparison.
0: Dedica, right. What,
1: what are you even insecure about?
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you serious right now?
1: Yes, I am. <laughs> like I, you just like never to me, like exhibit any insecurity ever.
0: Oh, well it's okay. Cause I exhibit it to myself. Plenty. Plenty enough. (laughs) Okay. Plenty enough. Um, I don't know. Actually, that's funny. That's something that actually I will talk about a little bit more in the bonus content. Um, Okay. All right. All right. You know, tune in and become a Patreon subscriber if you want to find out if Dedeker has any insecurities (laughs) at all. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I'll talk about a little bit more in our bonus content. But um, actually, it's funny because I feel like at least right now where I'm at in my life, I don't feel like I have a lot of relational insecurity Mm. like I feel like in my relationships I I feel relatively securely attached you know I mean I still have some avoidant tendencies and some insecurities that come up but as a whole I feel pretty you know pretty secure in my relationships however like all my insecurities right now are all more in my professional life in a lot of Mm. imposter Mm. syndrome that comes up or in a lot of like getting down on myself for not creating enough or not writing enough or not doing enough or or not you know whatever and again it's all these same things that we've talked about it's like not only the standard of perfection of like what i've been told i need to look like or be like in order to be like successful or perfect um you know combined with also comparing myself to other people that i know who are writers or content creators or who you know in the same field as i am um You know that I look at all that and again I compare like my weakest points to other people's clearly stronger points and of course I'm never going to come out ahead in that comparison um Yeah. yeah I don't know that's where I feel like my insecurities lie these days Hmm. I also have kind of some dry skin under my eye that looks bad that I'm kind of insecure about <laughs> right now. If you really want I'm to so keep getting sorry. super specific,
2: very specific and very right oh, now, man. yeah. What
0: about I'm okay? So. What about you, Emily? What are you insecure about these days? Absolutely everything. Everything. No, I mean, oh.
1: I'm I'm insecure about the wrinkles that I'm getting because I'm 30 now. I'm oh insecure. shoot, I'm insecure
0: about my wrinkles too. Uh,
1: yeah, oh. yeah. I I, I like. I was like, I want to take a picture of myself at Disney, like with my stage makeup on, and then compare it to hopefully next year a picture of myself with my stage makeup on at Disney to see like the changes from thirty to thirty-one. Uh, maybe that maybe I shouldn't. Like, wait, that.
0: so so you're like already planning for some more like insecurity generating. Wow, you're right.
1: Look at look at there there it is. (laughs) You (laughs) called me out of my own bullshit. (laughs) Thank you, thank you for doing that. I appreciate (laughs) that. No, I mean, yeah, like I'm also insecure about like the the things that I create. That I'm like not you know the successful actor that I want to be, and that I don't have a shit ton of money. And but you know, I also like get to travel a whole hell of a lot too, and and I make a great podcast with my two best friends. So like. (laughs) Really, it's gonna be okay.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I live in Los Angeles, which is cool sometimes.
0: Kind of. <laughs> Jace, what about Jace? What are you insecure about these days?
2: Oh man, um, I, I definitely resonate with with you, Dedeker, on the professional field there of just being like, you know, I'm 36 now. I should have this figured out in terms of like making lots of money and having a cool stuff or I don't know. And, and it's, as I say it, I'm like, I know that's ridiculous. Cause a lot of people look at my situation and are like, dude, like I wish I could do that and travel for half the year and have a job the rest of the year. And you know, that, that sounds fantastic, but there's still a lot of that like personal doubt and comparison that comes up. Um, and then of course with, I'm also thinking about writing a book and just the terrifying prospect of that um, and just how like feeling that sense of like everyone must have hated me after something I said at a live show or at a party or whatever to think about that amplified in a book that's now written down so everyone can continue to come back and hate me about it. Uh, oh yeah welcome to my world <laughs> right that's terrifying that's re- super terrifying to me um so that one that one definitely comes up um
0: well great we're yep. all insecure yeah
1: <laughs> um, <Got laughs> welcome it. to the world
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well we're gonna move on and talk a little bit more about the ways that you can help to uh tackle body slam pile pile drive i no, don't know none what of the those verbs things are. are
2: football things. <laughs>
0: Are they nuts?
1: I thought she was, you know, pretty close to (laughs) something there.
3: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you.
0: to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Okay, so uh, now I'm feeling another layer of insecure that we're also insecure. So let's talk <laughs> about ways to deal with that, shall we? Yes, oh, boy. yes, let's.
2: All right, so something that, uh, to go back to what I was talking about with the therapist that I talked to years ago about performing uh, as a musician, And her question of kind of like, well, did people tell you that? Like, where are you getting that from? Because it seems like a lot of people actually appreciated it, right? People clapped, like, these people bought you a drink after the show. Like, you know, kind of whatever Mm -hmm. it was from my stories. It's like, it sounds like you actually have more evidence that people liked it than evidence that people didn't. Um, And in a similar way to that, when it comes to things like relationships, or you know other parts of your life is going to the people who actually know you the best and those yeah. are your friends those are your romantic partners those it's maybe your family right the people who know you the best and who are actually invested in you and getting feedback from them right and that those people hopefully even if their feedback is constructive we'll say in some areas that isn't just like (laughs) you're perfect but even if those are the people who will give you constructive feedback they're also going to tell you the things that are good about you and the things that they like about you and the reason why they're your friend or Mm -hmm. why they're in a relationship with you and then i think the key ingredient here is actually believing them when they tell you and (sighs) (laughs) it sounds so simple and yet it can be so hard I'm saying
1: thank you instead of like, no, no, I'm not like that. I'm not worthy of what you're telling me.
2: Yeah. On our communication hacks booster pack episode that we did a while back, Dedeker and I talked about our microscript of saying, Mm -hmm. why thank you? in like, when you feel that urge to be like, no, I'm not, I'm terrible or whatever it is to just like program yourself to be like, why thank you? Or like, yes, you're right. Thank you. Uh, or even
1: like if somebody says like, oh, you're being really nice. Like that's also like saying that you don't believe mm-hmm. them in mm-hmm. just like a softer way. That's but I totally do that you. all the time. That's totally you. Y- oh, I know. I know. Exactly. I know.
2: Yeah. Yours is <laughs> yours is. You're so kind. You're so kind. That's oh, what you say so instead kind. of thank you. Yeah. No, that's that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Check yourself for yeah. those things. Um,
1: <laughs> absolutely.
2: One thing that i that I particularly liked um, that this was actually a different therapist more recently was talking to me about was in talking to your partners or your friends versus maybe some negative feedback you have gotten from somebody else, right who thought you were a jerk or who didn't like X, y or Z about you is she asked the question of who is more credentialed to tell you reliably about you some mm some random person or some person who's known you for a little bit versus someone who spends a lot of time with you or has been a friend for a long time or a family member who's known you a long time and really asking that question. And for me, at least right then, that was kind of what I needed to hear of realizing in the particular situation that I was feeling a lot of insecurity about that Dedeker, who is being very supportive to me, was more credentialed than random person who had criticized me, right? Like, mm. And just mm. kind of that idea of like credentialed kind of stuck with me. And I was like, I like that. I like that idea of how to think about it. So rather than just like, oh, well, they're my friends. So of course, they're going to say nice things or they're my partner. You could also think they're way more qualified to talk mm-hmm. about me and to understand me than someone else
1: some rando. Yeah.
2: Total
1: I like
0: the, I like that shift of like, of yeah, like checking a person's credentials. It sounds weird <laughs> to say it that way, but yeah. it's kind of like that of like checking in and being like, Oh yeah, no, this person is close to me and they do have a better sense of who I am, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Like they're the one who, you know, can more accurately weigh in on, on who i am rather than yeah yeah, a rando or whoever i I initially thought
1: that you when you said credentialed that you were going to be like well this person like has a phd so like they're more (laughs) credentialed in life and so if they say that i'm a good person then i must be this is a very particular
2: (laughs) credentialing this is credentialed in knowing you it's a very specific credential
1: totally yeah Um, So the next one is uh, to examine the stories that you tell yourself about your flaws. And I think this is really important because so often we like get ourselves in this hole about all of the things that we do wrong or like you had said before, like, okay, well, these events in my past keep occurring. And so there must be a reason for it or like I therefore just must be a bad person or whatever. But if you do examine like, those specific moments and those things and the reasoning behind like why these occurrences keep happening then you can probably start to dig out things about yourself and also like truths into well maybe I should work on this thing about myself but this other thing is really actually wonderful um and I do do that really well looks like you want to say something Dedica
0: oh yeah sorry um Yeah, this reminds me of, you know, this whole thing with with the stories that we tell ourselves about our insecurities and about our flaws and things like that. Um, It actually reminds me of relatively early on when I was first exploring non-monogamous and polyamorous relationships that if a partner of mine like started dating someone new and i would like first of all i'd play the comparison game like i compare myself to that other person and Mm -hmm. see all the ways that like i was lacking and they were not and but not just the ways that i felt that i was lacking also just the way this other person was different would be Mm -hmm. like oh this person is a bartender and this person likes horror movies and this person also uh uh gosh i don't know uh (laughs) you know likes this particular type of music and i would the story that i would tell would be oh that means my partner must want that Mm. and not want me totally totally you know they don't want all you know my flawed self they want what this person is offering them and then you know then of course that story would continue to be like okay well i guess i need to strive to be more like that other person if I'm going to keep making my partner happy. And um, it took a lot of like embarrassment and painful lessons to kind of learn like, no, actually, it's actually, I need to lean more into the things that make me me,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: like, cause that's why my partner's with me. That's why we're in the relationship together is because I'm me and they're them and their other partner is themselves, you know, and that's okay. Um, yeah. But it's just, it is just so funny how it's like that story of like, oh, okay, that means that my partner wants these things and this partner, they don't want me. Like, it's just like that comes out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. You know, and I mean, um, it- Yeah, that does kind of touch on the next one, which is, like, don't blame your partner for your insecurities Mm -hmm. either. So don't tell yourself, okay, my partner must want something that I'm not because they're interested in this other person that has a bunch of qualities. Like, don't automatically assume that your partner isn't interested in you because they also find X, Y, and Z to be attractive. And then, yeah, I mean, the hard thing is we do get into these loops of like, okay, my partner must want this thing. And therefore like, they don't love me enough or I'm, I am unlovable in some way. And then we can tend to like lash out at our partner in certain ways because we feel unloved or we feel like they're not giving us what we need. And really it is mostly just about us in those moments.
2: Yeah, I I just I think that this isn't something that you can just kind of do and all of a sudden it's fixed. But moving away from the relationship escalator Mm -hmm. actually, I think, is big and has been really big for me because there's that idea of like, you know, even being polyamorous is looking at like, oh, well. What's that next step? Kind of like we talked about in career terms, yeah. Of like, well, if things are actually good, then I must be getting to this next step. Like, it kind of always gives you like this thing to put your happiness on in the future. It's like, yeah. oh, once we're living together, then I'll be secure and then I'll be mm. happy. Or once mm. I'm, you know, whatever their primary partner, then I'll feel secure. Or once we share a cell phone plan or right, like whatever it is. Once we start a podcast about polyamory together, like then I'll be secure. <laughs> mm. And that I found that for me, actually this is something that has made a huge difference where just being kind of entirely detached from the relationship escalator, or at least very detached from it. Um, I feel like it's allowed me to actually appreciate my relationships that I have um, interesting, a lot more rather than always thinking, oh, but I'll be happy once I get to this, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. that's, that's been a big change. And just sorry, what you were talking about, about, um, kind of not blaming your partner for this, I think also kind of not blaming like the state of your relationship for it maybe is related. Anyway, that just kind of made me think about the relationship escalator. And now that was a big pivotal thing for me and getting away from that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's actually a good segue to um, you know, I'm going to give another callback to attachment style, but I-, I found that just being aware of what your attachment style is, uh, can take you so far. You know, mm-hmm. in just being able to know, like, oh, okay, I'm anxiously attached, so that means that when I feel like there's a crisis or I feel like my partner's pulling away, that then you know these insecurities about my partner leaving me or or abandoning me or whatever come up and being able to talk about that with your partner even being able to have a conversation with your partner about what their attachment style is um it can really open up so much for you just in being aware of it in the first place so that then the two of you can Strategize on what are the best ways that we can make each other feel more secure? Or what are the ways that we individually can help to heal ourselves to feel more secure? Um, So even just that and again, you can go back and listen to episode 82 You can just do a google search of attachment theory even if it's just reading the freaking wikipedia Um, There's a bunch of like quizzes and self-assessment tools and stuff like that to figure out what your attachment style is Um, But just having a little bit of that knowledge can really help with at least giving a foundation of like when insecurities come up within your relationship that you can be like, ah, okay, I know what this is. I know that this is probably something related to my attachment, or I know that maybe this is something related to the way my partner attaches. And then that's the beginning of a conversation rather than just a crisis of feeling terrible and insecure.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of the books and uh, articles on attachment theory Talk about if you are in a relationship with someone who is secure, that they can potentially pull you more into being secure yourself, which I wouldn't like bank on that always (laughs) in all of your relationships. Like, And just hope like, oh, man, I hope that I'm getting a relationship with a secure person and therefore like my problems will be solved. But there is something to be said for if you do happen to be in a relationship with a more secure person to you know, learning their ways in a way and allowing yourself to like bask in that security and bask in like the knowledge that, hey, there's, there's nothing, there's no push pull here in a way that I'm used to where like somebody pulls away and then I get really clingy kind of thing. Rather, um, they're teaching, they're helping me to, uh, find that security within myself and within my relationship.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And really with all of this um, is actually finding therapy or counseling or a coach or something like yeah. that is is big. Um, this is, you know, not to say that, oh, I'm, I'm an anxious attachment person and I'm in a relationship with someone who's avoidant attachment and we're just doomed or I need to break up with them and find someone who's secure attachment style. Right. Like that's not <laughs> what we're saying. But if that is the case, and if you're able to recognize that, that can help be a clue to say, hey, let's find a therapist to help us with this, to help Mm us learn more about this. Let's read those books. But I think there's something just so valuable about actually having someone to talk to about it. And I'm generally someone who um, always encourages people to try to do therapy on your own, primarily, primarily like doing couples therapy, I think can be useful, but I think really having your own therapist or counselor or coach is way more important. And so if you're, if you're only going to, you know, say you're like, I can only afford to do one or the other, definitely do it for yourself. Um, Cause that's going to help you and your relationship much more than just doing the couples therapy. Um, and I also wanted to point out that there are a lot of opportunities for this. I know that you know, it's like every character on TV has a therapist, but we all have this idea that they cost, you know, hundreds of dollars every appointment and they go every week. And because everyone on TV is rich and successful and has huge apartments in New York. Um, but the reality of it is that even during times in my life where I was super broke, I was able to find counselors or therapists who either had sliding scales or who were like social workers that you could go see for free, um, or who were counselors at, say, your university, who you could go see for free. um, Or, you know, like I said, people who do sliding scale, stuff like that. Um, That there are a lot of opportunities out there. And it's worth just looking and asking about it. Um, Even things like uh, like BetterHelp, or what's the other one? Talkspace?
0: Talkspace.
2: Um, Mm. That those sort of online ones where you subscribe for a monthly amount, that those, they don't advertise it up front, but they actually have cheaper packages. Like if you didn't want to do phone calls and just have a therapist that you can write messages to every day, that that's significantly cheaper than the normal plan they'd seem to tell you is the only plan. And they also offer um, a sliding scale for people who can't afford it. So there really are a lot of options out there. And so don't feel discouraged. Like this is something that's not accessible to you.
1: Yeah. So this is a tough one, but yeah. it's very important. Uh, Franklin Vo talked about this in some of the articles that we were reading uh, regarding this um, episode when we were doing some research for it. But he said that understand and accept that heartbreak um, and something like the end of a relationship that both of those things are survivable survive survivable vivable Survivabre. survivable <laughs> that you will survive i will survive those things so even if you do even if you do get broken up with or if like a relationship just ends Uh, It will be hard, obviously, but you are not going to die from it of a broken heart. Um, You will move on and, and it will be difficult, but it is a thing that you can move on from. So even if you are super insecure about a relationship ending, just know that, you know, nothing necessarily is forever. And if it does end, you can survive from that.
0: That is a tough one. That's like a really tough truth. I think yeah. to internalize, I think that it can be relatively simple for for some of us to mentally and logically get on board with that of like, yeah, sure, you know, relationship could end whatever and my heart could get broken whenever and, and you know, obviously it won't kill me or anything like that. But to actually internalize that is <laughs> is yeah. a hard one and mm-hmm. especially because we've also been trained from the moment we entered this world that it's like you know you need to do everything in your power to hang on to a relationship yeah. um, you know and and you need to be doing everything in your power to make sure that your partner doesn't even consider leaving you or doesn't have any kind of opportunity that might inspire them to leave you or to want someone else or things like that um and yeah, like, I guess training yourself out of that is a process, but mm-hmm. I think that it can help to balance out a lot of that relational insecurity, you know, again, like a lot of that just kind of like bad feedback loop, like suffering that puts us into a state of like worrying more about the loss of the relationship than about like actually maintaining the relationship.
1: Hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. That's a tough one, but... Important to to know for yourself, like, truly, it will be okay. Uh, and in the moment, I think that that's easier said than done. When when you feel like this relationship could end at any moment, uh, or it's just, like, really not going well, um, how am I going to survive without it? Like, you will. Like, humans mm-hmm. are very adaptable creatures. We, we can yeah. do it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think just real quick to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier about Um, kind of comparisons and also sort of our status that we're taught we should have that a relationship is part of that. And the Mm. idea of a relationship ending, even if it's not one that's fulfilling for you or isn't happy for you um, or, you know, is not happy enough of the time, right. Or isn't for the other person that there's kind of that idea of like, well, if I lose that, then I'm less good of a person because I'm checking fewer of the boxes I'm supposed to. And so, with all these things we're talking about here with these action points, they're things that you can definitely combine with each other and actually should. This isn't like pick one from the list. This is like do all of these things because in helping to work on your security and feeling more okay with who you are will actually, I think, can empower you to feel more capable of surviving that situation. Yeah. Similarly, having more of a support network or having a therapist or counselor or coach to talk to about things will make that seem more possible, right? That all these things can kind of affect each other in good ways and help help each other.
0: Right. Absolutely. Right. And I think that also leads to, you know, our last couple points here, which is it's so important to learn to value yourself and to find strategies to work around um, what's known as like conditional self-esteem or some people also call it conditional insecurity, which is the idea of like. Sure. Like when I'm feeling great and like my job's going well and I'm earning money and I'm going on, you know, a bunch of dates with hot people or whatever, then I feel great about myself and I feel very securely attached to everyone. But then when things are not going so great, when thing went something went bad at work or I was rejected or I failed in some way or my partner's off on a date with someone else or whatever, then I feel like crap, you know, and then I feel very insecure. And, you know, finding ways to just cope with and break out of that cycle of just the back and forth of like your Mm. self-esteem and your security just being attached to these external factors. Um, And it requires, you know, the work that we've been talking about here, you know, um, know, figuring out your attachment style, talking to people that you trust to get feedback about yourself, uh, asking for reassurance from a partner, going to therapy, things like that. Um, There's another strategy that actually, there was this this, um, study conducted by peking university about insecurity and they found that one of the best strategies for canceling out insecurity was actually optimism um hmm. and i'm very That's much nice. not an optimistic person so i was like huh what <laughs> oh How? i don't know <laughs> about that uh, d- uh, well no, do, do i, I seem optimistic that. on the outside yeah jace jace knows well i've got sometimes I've got the
2: all-access pass, though, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, Jace, <laughs> it's true. Um, I see her a lot, too, but I don't know. Maybe
1: maybe Jace and I are optimistic enough for the, for the three I think of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I
0: think that's the case. I think the two okay. of you carry definitely the load of... You carry the optimism labor
1: <laughs> uh, on this that's podcast. Fine. You're um, pragmatic, and I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I... I am. That's true. But okay. So here's the thing is that the study found that, um, when it comes to insecurity, like when you're optimistic, you tend to attribute events that could have negative consequences. Um, you, and you tend to look at them in a different filter that reduces the amount of threat that they hold. Um, primarily because when you're optimistic, you're able to see those events as being outside of you, that they're caused by outside factors that, will change for the better, that have to change for the better just over the course of time. Um, and it's the same thing with insecurities about yourself, insecurities about relationship, insecurities about your job, things like that. Um, and so there's this movement, this kind of relatively new movement known as radical optimism. I just learned about it from um, following the Instagram account of Adian Dowling, who is a uh, I don't know if, if you don't know him, he's the first trans man who was on the cover of Men's Health magazine. Oh, um, right. Like I
2: remember that. hearing about that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. His Instagram account is super amazing and mm. he labels himself as a radical optimist. And so the idea behind radical optimism is that, you know, you're not denying that there's major problems in the world. You're not denying that potentially things may go wrong. There may be catastrophes. You're not denying that sometimes things are sad or confusing. Um but the radical part of it is that it is the choice to always look for the good in something, Mm. even when it seems clear that something is bad, um, but still choosing to look for the good. Um, and I think it makes sense to me on a logical level, like in moments when you're feeling insecure, especially about yourself, about your own personal attributes or things like that, of like really making that radical choice to like, no, in this moment, even when I feel like shit, I'm going to choose to find something good here or look for something Mm -hmm. good here. Um, that it can be a really good starting point for being able to just kind of snap out of feeling so funky about one's insecurities. Yeah. Again, like I said, I'm really not an optimist. And so <laughs> optimism at all feels very radical to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but I think this is what right. I need to try. Yeah. This is one I think I need to try on for myself and see how it That's goes. That's lovely. I like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah. we're really, really interested in hearing um, about all of the ways in which our listeners Uh, combat insecurity and you know do you have any like special secret stashes or like special (laughs) things that you just do uh, to make yourself feel better in insecure moments Um, so talk to us about it Uh, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private facebook or discourse forums you can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multi in addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at Leave us a voicemail at 678-MULTI05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Jace Lindgren, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.